Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. This is Writing Class Radio, where you'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Allison Langer, a student in the class. I'm Andrea Askowitz, the teacher of the class. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit and figure out who we are. Our show aims to bring you into our class so you can experience the magic of what we experience. Okay, I know I just said magic, but that's what it is. Today we're talking about getting out of our own way when writing a story. The writing process starts with getting the truth on paper. We write about situations or problems we're dealing with or have dealt with, something we're still trying to understand or resolve. The goal is getting to the reason we're writing the story and what the story is really about. I'm a huge believer in writing and rewriting. That's my process. A first draft is usually shit. Then the second draft, all the way to the 222nd draft, is usually still shit. But (laughs) (laughs) The 222nd draft is still shit? But those drafts are critical for telling the story well. But with all this writing and rewriting, I think sometimes we get in our own way. I always get in my own way. And in my way. (laughs) And everybody else's way, too. I'm not a first draft girl. Writing an essay, as you know, is torture for me. I start weeks before it's my turn to read in class. I go off on tangents. I cut parts that students later say would make my story stronger. I add stuff nobody cares about. I put things back. Then you, Andrea, you say take it out. Another student says put it back. It's annoying and frustrating, and writing is just too fucking hard. Okay, that's the process for most people. The story you're about to hear is a little different. You may remember student Misha Morell from a few episodes ago where he read a story about Hurricane Irma. Or from an episode called Comfort Zone, where he told the story about his hairy ass. If you want to go back and listen, we'll list the Misha episodes on our show notes. Misha brought his piece to class a couple of weeks ago. When Allison and I heard him read it for the first time, we were pissed and jealous. One of our students said, I quit! (laughs) Here's Misha reading his piece, Bad Breath. I recently discovered I have a bacterial infection in my stomach, which occasionally makes for pretty horrible breath. It's called H. pylori. Sometimes my girlfriend Maya will recoil when I kiss her. Ooh, what, I'll say. Is it my breath? Is it bad? She thinks for a second. It's not like bad, bad. It's like when you eat something and it doesn't sit well in your stomach. It's like coming from your gut. Like something is dying down there. It just kind of smells like shit. Okay, I'll say. I got it. Thanks. I'd caught whiffs of this for years. I think it started in my teens. 
I'm 27 now, and it seems to have gotten worse. My friends and my family have been mentioning it more often. I floss daily, brush twice or three times a day, but the breath thing seems totally arbitrary. Sometimes I'll brush, floss, and gargle mouthwash, but there it is. Shit dying animal from my gut smell. Along with the smell, I've had a kind of bubbly feeling in my stomach. I've had these symptoms for a while, but they've been getting significantly worse ever since my dad got diagnosed with gallbladder cancer nine months ago. It was a freezing Saturday morning when I got the call. I was in my tiny apartment in Connecticut. He FaceTimed me from the hospital where the night before he'd had his gallbladder removed. I can't remember all the words, but it went something like, I have some bad news. Stage four, it's spread, not good. I remember how tired he looked, like someone had just spun him around for a few hours. As soon as I saw his face, my stomach tightened, and it's pretty much stayed that way since. Tight and tense. My shits have gotten progressively worse. I left my film teaching job a few months later to come to Miami and be near him, and have since sort of put my life on hold. It's a good thing I haven't found a steady job yet since my shits surprise me at random times of the day. It's not like I can't take shits if I have a job, but it's nice to know I can take as long as I want on the toilet, and sometimes it takes a long time. I'll shit, think I'm done, wipe, and then tons more shit. Shits like you can't believe. Bubbling, gassy, let me the fuck out kind of shits. I'm certain it comes from the stress of seeing my dad fight for his life. All the ways it's infected my mom and him. He's a beloved dermatologist, but the chemo fucks with his ability to do surgery, his favorite part of the job, so he can't work anymore. He was an exercise freak, 40 miles a day on the bicycle at 4 a.m., 70 miles on Sundays, then a 5K jog, then a full day of work. He can't do that anymore. He does what he can, fights like a beast. Sometimes he plays tennis the day after chemo, really chasing the balls down. He's even started cycling once a week, 20-some miles. But it wears on him that he can't exercise as much as he used to, that he's gained weight. He hates that his hair has thinned. He hates the nausea. He hates the steroids they give him to handle the nausea. They send him on an emotional roller coaster. Weekly bouts of depression. It eats my mom up too, maybe more. She started getting back to work as a couples therapist, but sometimes cancels on her clients, because even if it's only for a few hours, she hates leaving my dad alone. I can see that she's terrified of losing him. One night we sat in the parking lot of Publix and she began to cry. My stomach tightened up so much I thought I was going to pass out. Going with my dad to treatments makes me queasy. From the early morning drives where his mind wanders, nervously grappling with the week he's facing. The chemo, the nausea, the fear. To the elevator up to the infusion, seeing sick and broken looking people. My dad staring at them, holding his mouth shut, because if he doesn't, he might just scream. And then, through the infusion itself, all the bags on the IV stand, the beeping, the needle, the hospital blankets, 
that fucking horrifying picturesque view from the chemo suite of the fountain and that flat, endless Miami landscape. I want to get up and smash my chair through that fucking window. I want to scream, but I don't. I hold it in, and later on I go to the bathroom and I take a painful shit. Seven months into my dad's diagnosis, I decided to take my shits seriously. They were only getting worse. I'd read somewhere online that more and more people in their 20s were getting diagnosed with colon cancer. I asked my dad for his GI guy's number, and I set up an appointment for an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, top and bottom. They told me I'd be drugged up and would need a chaperone to drive me home. My dad insisted on being the one. It was the same place where he got his colonoscopy where all of this shit started. The worst part of the whole thing was the IV prick in my arm. I told the head nurse, Paul, a guy with a thick Baltimore accent, that I apologize in advance for all the hair in my ass. He said, it's what gives us our virility. I was a little nervous, but then they told me to lay on my side and count to 15. Before I knew it, I was out cold. I had an amazing dream that I was in a Jeep on a safari in the desert taking pictures of rhinos. In the dream, although he was nowhere to be seen, I knew my dad was okay, that he was healthy and living happily with my mom. When I woke up, my dad was right by my side. The drugs made me feel so woozy and warm. I told him about my dream and he smiled and held my hand. Then I turned to the nurse and asked if I could get the anesthesia over the counter. They laughed, but I was serious. I hadn't slept that well in so long. My stomach was so calm and so at ease. The doctor, my dad's friend, reassured us that he saw nothing of concern, no cancerous polyps, nothing to worry about. We'll have more results in a few days. So a few days later, when I was alone at home, my dad texted me from chemo. Doctor texted me results. You have a bacteria infection. It's called H. pylori. Can cause ulcers. Explains breath and shits. We'll need antibiotics. Is it big deal? I asked. No big deal, he said. I imagined him sitting there, the poison coursing through his veins, trying to distract himself with anything, hating being so vulnerable, hating that he needs to do this. My mom by his side, trying to stay calm, even though she wants to tear her hair out and beat the shit out of every single nurse who doesn't give my dad their utmost attention and care. And there goes my stomach, bubbling and curdling. I texted him back. How's it going over there? Going fine, smooth, we'll be over soon. Good, I said. I love you, Dad. I love you too, he said. I hung up the phone and shoved my face into a pillow and screamed for so long that I felt a burn in the back of my throat and then I lost my voice. Then I cried and cried and screamed some more. I have a feeling that not letting the screams and all the tears out is what's making my shits worse. If it were easy, I would just do it. I'd scream in the hospital, I'd kick holes through windows, I'd cry in my mom and dad's arms all the time. But the grief doesn't come out so easily. Like some people, I've spent a long time building up walls between me and my feelings. Sometimes I feel like I can't even feel. Numb, I suppose. 
I believe that my stomach is reacting to this repression. That each time I swallow a scream, it turns into a nasty shit. When Maya says that my breath smells like something is dying inside me, maybe she's not far off. That story is so beautiful. It felt so intimate. Usually in class, after a student reads, we go around the table and everyone gives feedback. This time the class had very few edits. I know this wasn't an easy story to write, so I asked Misha how he did it. Basically, you sent an email out like the night before saying, oh, Misha's up tomorrow. And I went to sleep like, oh, shit, like I haven't written anything. So I kind of, I just like kind of let go. I was like, okay, I got to write something. So tomorrow I'm going to wake up early. And I sat and just kind of tried to tackle everything that felt, you know, every thought, every fear that I was dealing with at the time and just laid them out, just one after another, and I write by hand. So I just, like, fast. I was just, like, one thing after another, like a list of things that are freaking me out at the time. Out of that list, Misha landed on his bad breath and diarrhea. So that's what I did. I spent, like, two, three hours just, like, vomiting on the page. Then I went over it, and I just thought, okay, beginning, middle, end. How can I, like, shape this story? Am I talking too much? I looked at the beginning, and I thought, okay, in the beginning I bring up this issue of my stomach and my bad breath, and then in the middle I'm kind of diving into what that makes me think about, which is how I feel like the emotional problems that I repress have a physical manifestation. And I guess that means, I mean, it, it felt a little bit like a simplification, but then in the end I was like, oh, it's kind of true. When I shoved all of these painful feelings away, they manifest as physical whatevers, like pains and smells. And so I was like, okay, that's it. And I just have to make it as simple and clear as possible. Misha told me he originally didn't want to write about his father's cancer. So I asked him how this turned into that. I have so much respect for him, and I have so much respect for the situation. That's respect's the wrong word. I just... It's sacred, like what we're, my family's going through, what I feel like my dad is going through, what I feel like I'm going through with all of this. It's sacred territory. I wasn't even comfortable sharing it with you or like bringing it. I thought, okay, this will be a great semester because I'll just go. I'm not going to talk about this, you know? And I was just stupid because it came out the first day. Um, but <laughs> uh, Good try. Right. I realized like because my dad is, is dealing with these health issues, Every time I try and write about it, it feels very heavy-handed and very just off. I make a point of trying not to write about my dad. So when I was writing about the breath, I really didn't plan on it taking that course that, oh, this is going to somehow be about the emotions I'm repressing about my dad. But it wound up happening. All of this shit that's going on with my dad started to surface, and it started to come through.
I didn't have time to second-guess myself. I didn't have time to censor any of these things. That's what happens in your class. When you give us a prompt, basically it's a distraction, which disarms me and then makes me open up without really planning to. So I start writing about the weather, and before I know it, I'm talking about you know my hairy ass. Whatever this says about me, I can write so much about my body and in like like insides and the disgusting things I find about my body and sex and my I don't know just like sounds and farts and shit and like <laughs> I just it's so easy to access you know uh, I've spent most of my life just being like really immature and talking about that with friends that's what's fun for me to talk about but the uh, physical stuff gives me permission to talk about the stuff I thought I'm not allowed to or the precious territory of my dad because yeah yeah I'm, I'm scared of writing about that and in the disgusting imagery of like my diarrhea and all that I bring all that out and then I'm like okay now I'm out in the open I've got to I feel pretty free to just talk about anything at that point so I've already outed myself so much Writing physical descriptions first helped Misha get to the seriousness of his dad's situation. The descriptions were really vulnerable, too. Like after his insides were exposed, Misha felt like he could write about anything. I wouldn't say it was a trick exactly, but it sort of was. Writing about shit and bad breath gave Misha an entryway into writing about a really hard situation. The descriptions were also funny, which helped us, the listeners, with the seriousness of his dad's situation. So here's the takeaway. When writing about something sacred and scary, start by writing about something familiar and preferably gross. I don't mean gross exactly. I mean write about something base, something physical. That kind of writing can free you up. Here's a prompt idea. Body odor. Here's another prompt idea. Menstrual blood. See where that takes you. Thank you, Misha, for sharing your story and your process. Thank you for listening. Remember, we've started a 20 plus 2 campaign to help keep this podcast going. Give $20 and get two people to subscribe. Our goal is 2,000 new listeners and $20,000 by the end of the year. We can do it with your help. Please help us reach our goal. If you have a business or startup, let Andrea help you tell that story. She'll come to your office and teach all your employees how to better articulate why they do what they do. Because stories sell. And I'm for hire too. Let me help your high school seniors write their college essays. We want your story on our show. If you're inspired, enter our contest. Send us your best 1,200 words. The prompt, secret pleasure. The deadline is February 14th, 2018. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Music for this episode by Ari Herstand, Kevin Miles Wilson, Taryn Southern, and Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. There's more writing class on our website, Twitter, and Facebook. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?
cereal, but nothing will dispose of all my raw material. I make myself a cup, 16 ounces of Joe, and just like magic, it starts to flow. Got a poo, I really got a poo. A cup of Joe always helps it all pass through. My poo, my poo, my looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.